the theme of Psalm 125 is trusting God. And if I had, uh, I mean, I have some points here I'll share. I, I don't know how organized they're going to be, but um, really this whole psalm could be just one point in a message called trusting God. Uh, because God surrounds us. He takes care of us. He helps us. He is our, our guide. He is our shelter. He is our father, our shepherd, and we can trust him. We can have, as uh, one writer put it, genuine security for the real world. That sounds nice, to have genuine security in the real world. You know, what we're enjoying this morning is not necessarily what I would call the real world. Um, you know, you might think, well, pastor, where are you at? Because <laughs> it feels pretty real to me. I can smell that food downstairs. It smells real. <laughs> uh, but real world. In other words, what happens tomorrow when you go to work, when you're out of church, when you're away from other believers, when you're on your own, when you are facing the real world struggles? It's easy for me to stand here in the pulpit this morning and say, you just got to trust God. That sounds great. Trust God. Okay, but what about tomorrow? What about when I'm not sitting here? What about when I hear some really difficult news? What if there's a change in my life coming and I don't know what it's going to look like and I don't know where I'm going? <laughs> We've been, I've been using a lot of uh, traveling illustrations for this series because again, the, the pilgrims, as they journeyed their way to Jerusalem, would sing these psalms to themselves to remind them of certain uh, truths of God. And here in this psalm, as they are making their way to Jerusalem, can remind themselves to trust God. They know where they're going. Uh, you know, they're heading to Jerusalem. They're heading towards the temple. But there's a lot of interesting adventures in between. You know, as a child of God, we may know where we're going. Okay, we're... We're going to heaven. We're going to be with God. But there are a lot of adventures along the way. God tells us to trust him, not just on Sunday morning and to have feelings, warm feelings of, yep, I'm going to trust God. I feel excited today. I feel happy. I'm going to trust God. And then forget about it as soon as you leave the church building. But tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you wake up facing those real-world challenges with the knowledge that you can trust God. You know, we like the tangible, the things that we can hold on to. And a lot of people put their trust in things that they can hold on to, that they can see. And, and I can't blame them because, you know, I, I'm that way too, that to trust in the unknown versus to trust in the known uh, I mean, without question, every time I'm going to, you know, I know this works. I'm going to do it this way. Uh, I was reading about the uh, Great Wall of China. It's thousands of miles long. It's 30 feet high, 18 feet thick, and it's visible from space. I mean, it's an incredible feat of human engineering. And yet it's been breached um, on more than one occasion. And uh, so one source I read said that it was breached because the, the gatekeepers were bribed. Well, it doesn't matter how strong your wall is. If the people guarding the wall have been bribed, <laughs> you might as well just put up a tent <laughs> uh, because the enemy is getting in. 
And other times, uh, in the few times in its history, and some of this is debated among historians, so you can go and read all about it yourself if you like, but just for sake of summary, um, some have just overwhelmed it with, with uh, an overwhelming force and were able to breach through the gates. It's said that uh, our strength is that we are only as strong as the thing that we are trusting in. So let's, you know, we're not surrounding ourselves with a, a great wall, but what are we trusting in today? Hopefully it's God. <laughs> but people today trust in money. They trust in themselves. They trust in politicians. They trust in their job. They trust in their families. You know, some of these are not bad things, but what happens when they fail? And, and not, notice I didn't say if, but when they fail. You know, we, we trusted in our van to get us to where we need to go. But our van has failed us and has now replaced, our red van has now replaced the green van in our driveway. <laughs> we finally got rid of the green one just to replace it with the red one. Uh, that's a Ford for you, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but we, we got, uh, we were able to get a, a more reliable vehicle now to, to drive our family around in. Uh, but guess what? That thing's going to fail us too. Um, it, it already somebody put a dent in the back hatch of the of the of our new new vehicle, so that was that was fun. It wasn't any of my teenage drivers, so they haven't had a chance to drive that yet. <laughs> it was well, I, I just found it. It, it wasn't me. Uh, anyway, we're <laughs> our vehicles fail. The things we trust and fail. You know what? Money fails. How many times has the stock market crashed? Our jobs fail. How many times have we been fired or laid off or had to have had to change jobs? This past year and a half, so many people have been laid off or gone without work because of the pandemic. Uh, but, but not to worry, the, the government was there to, to save us, right? <laughs> well, guess what? What happens when the government fails us? And they do. God does not fail. Our strength comes from the one that we trust. And it's my prayer this morning that you are trusting in God. And those people who trust God are strong because their strength is not their own. This is what Paul teaches in the New Testament when he says he had that thorn in his flesh, that he had that difficulty that was a burden to him, that Satan used it to, to buffet him, to control him, to uh, make his life difficult. And Paul prayed, he said, three times I pray that God would take away this thorn. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And we find that teaching, I think, here in Psalm 125. And uh, I want to look at... Uh, Three things that trusting God teaches us. Uh, first of all, it teaches us about who God is. It teaches us about who God is and who we are in him. Verse one says, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. 
As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. So again, let's put ourselves in the, in the sandals of Israel here as we're making our journey to Jerusalem. And so these are visual things around them again. They see the mountains. They see Mount Zion, where they're heading, where Jerusalem is, where the temple is. And the writer of this psalm says, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. Maybe he's picturing it. Maybe he can see it. Maybe he's at the foot of it. So the ones who trust God, when we live a life trusting God, we become like Mount Zion. Now, Mount Zion is not the tallest mountain in the world, not by any stretch. Um, but to Israel, it was a very significant focal point. And, um, and I didn't get all the, the, his, all the geographic details down for this, but I, I think it's the highest point in Israel, or at least it's, it's where the, the main center of, of all of Israel's worship and spiritual activity would be. But Mount Zion was so important, and it was there, and it was sturdy, and it was not moving. If we really think about the teachings of the Old Testament, how many people have come into Israel to overthrow Israel, to wipe them out, to destroy them, and yet Mount Zion remains. Even as Israel returns from their exile from Babylon and comes into Jerusalem and sees that the walls destroyed and crumbled and sees the temple torn down and in, 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 in uh, rubble, and yet Mount Zion remained and they rebuilt it is there today. And as you look into the New Testament, uh, Mount Zion appears again in that terminology, especially in future events, that this is going to be a very important place in history, in our future history. Mount Zion is there, and the writer says that those who trust in the Lord are going to be like this mountain. They will not be moved. It cannot be moved, but it abides forever. When I lived in Washington, I loved spending time in the mountains. Um, for a guy who's afraid of heights, uh, <laughs> this, th there were some moments of, of uh, heart-pounding panic, but it, it is so beautiful. And if I had just one criticism of, of Iowa, it's that there's no mountains here to enjoy. Um, there, there, are, there are some nice places, and, and uh, it, you know, even going to... Um, there, there's some places where you can almost imagine it looks kind of mountainous, but it's, it's really not. Um, I mean, if you've been out west you, you, and if you've seen a real mountain, I'm talking about a mountain with snow on top, you know that there's, there's nothing in the Midwest that even comes close to that. Um, but what, what just struck me was, was you know, just the, the grandeur of it. I can remember taking some uh, youth trips into the mountains and, and having different places where we'd stop and go hiking or have a lunch or something with our, our church's youth group and, and just be surrounded by mountains. It was amazing. And God's word tells us that if you are trusting in God, that's what you're like, is a mountain. You are, you cannot be moved. You will abide forever. And this is true because Trusting Christ means we will abide with him forever. Trusting Christ means that we are his, we are held by in his hands and nothing separates us from him. 
So trusting God teaches us about who we are. In God, we are strong because our God is strong. Verse two tells us uh, about the one that we trust in verse two. It says, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. And I, I love the comparison here that we are like one mountain, but God is like many mountains around us, like, like forming a natural defense, forming a, a, a protection, a shelter around us. Um, again, where I lived for a while in Washington, um, I could see, look out one window and see a mountain range in the distance. And then I could look out the other way and see another mountain range in the distance. I wasn't completely surrounded, but you know, at least on two sides, I could see mountains. On, on a real clear day, you could see Mount Rainier in the distance faintly, but you could see it. Um, and, and I enjoyed that. From, and I haven't been to Israel yet, but I, I hope to here someday. <laughs> Probably won't be this, this upcoming vacation, but uh, we'll have to settle for uh, Missouri. <laughs> but it's not Israel, but, um, you know, close enough, yeah. Grandma and Grandpa are there. <laughs> but uh, apparently here in, in where the, this area is being described, you can see that. You can stand there and look around and see the mountains surrounding Israel surrounding Jerusalem. It says, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. So now Israel has this daily reminder. If they just went outside and looked up and saw the mountains, they would remember, just like those mountains are there, our God is there with us. He's protecting us. He's surrounded us. He's sheltered us. I'm going to trust him. God loves to use these daily reminders for us to remind us of those, those truths of who he is and how he loves us and how he takes care of us. So by trusting God, we learn about who God is. God is like this mountain range that surrounds his people, shelters them and protects them. So how does this help us in the real world? Again, it's easy for me to stand up here and say this and, and tell you this is what God's word says and you just need to trust God. Okay, I'll trust God. But I've got some big things I'm dealing with. I've got some scary things I'm dealing with. I've got things where it feels like I'm jumping off into a black void and I don't know where I'm going to land. People say that uh, the life of faith is like taking that step into the unknown. Uh, and other Christians disagree with that. And I'm kind of in the middle on that, which shouldn't surprise you. <laughs> Sometimes it does feel like you're stepping into the unknown, but... You are trusting in a God who has surrounded you, who has sheltered you, who has taken care of you. So even though you may not know what's going to happen, God does, and he's prepared you for it, and he is preparing for it, and this will not surprise him. And so this helps us, you know, on the rest of the week, in those real-world problems to know Truly, and I don't mean to say this flippantly, but God's got this. This is inside of God's control. He can handle this. He is surrounding me like a mighty mountain range. And so I am safe. I am sheltered in God, no matter what happens to me physically. 
I am his forever, and he has made me strong. Trusting God teaches us who God is. Secondly, trusting God teaches us how to live without compromise in verse 3. Uh, For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. When we trust God, we are giving him control of our lives. To trust God in every area of our life really could lead to some very difficult decisions. That there could be some very uh, real-world changes that come if we... You know, as the saying goes, let, let go and let God. That might mean we don't always get our way. That might mean there's difficulty ahead. That might mean that we have a trial we have to walk through. It might mean that, we, you know, we're used to living in a culture that is uh, open to Christianity and very, um, and very open to that. But it could be, depending on, on uh, future leadership, that might change. I don't mean to scare you, just Christ said, be prepared. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But when we trust God, we know it says, the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. That here, the the righteous person is put in this situation where uh, it's, the temptation is to make that compromise, to stretch out their hands to do wrong. Because if I don't do this, then what's going to happen to me? i got to protect myself. Uh, you know, this was Israel's temptation that, uh, you know, they looked around and said, Lord, we need, we need a king like all the other nations have a king. And God says, no, you don't. And Israel said, yes, we do. And so God said, well, you're going to regret it. And they said, no, we won't. And guess what? <laughs> God was right. But God still used that to complete his, his purposes and his will. <clears throat> Israel had made concessions. They had made compromise. And God says to trust him, he says, the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous. As he's talking to Israel, that there's land there that God's nation that he allotted for righteousness, that this is where God's people would be and Righteousness would rule and reign. But Israel turned away from that. They made a compromise. They said, but what if this should happen? This is the same trap we can fall into today. To make compromise, to stretch out our hands to do wrong. Maybe because we're afraid. Maybe because we're not sure. You know, if this doesn't happen, what's going to happen to us? What's going to happen to the church? Uh, we, we heard all kinds of just crazy stories this past year and a half with, with uh, going through the, the pandemic and people's different people's responses to it. Um, a lot of them based in fear. We don't know what's going to happen, so we have to take control. We don't know what's going to happen, so we have to strike out. When really the truth is, we don't know what's going to happen on any day. <laughs> uh, we need to trust God. You know, and there's a lot I could say there, but we'll, we'll leave it for, at that for now. Lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. That's not God's will for us. 
we were we were talking in Sunday school about uh, false teachers, and you know I mentioned you know the one of the dangers for uh, the leaders, pastors, deacons is is to compromise doctrine in order to be more appealing, and we ought not to do that. I mean, we could really water down the gospel message and the Bible message and, you know, pack the church out. Uh, let's just, in fact, we just might have to throw out the Bible altogether and I'll, I'll read some heartwarming stories and and uh, we'll just have a good time and we'll throw a party because the, the Bible is meddlesome, it's confrontational, it's difficult, and it's convicting and I don't like it. <laughs> Uh, you know, that's natural man's response. I mean, let's be honest. That's sometimes our response, isn't it? Uh, I, I love God's word, but sometimes it gets meddlesome. This psalm is getting meddlesome with me. Just, I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> Don't make that compromise. And you might think, well, what, 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 but, but what if, what if, what if? Okay, trust God. Do good. As it says in verse 4, the prayer is for the Lord to do good, but this is the, the command he has given us, is to do good, to be godly, to be holy, to not compromise with sin, to make our lives easier, or to solve the problems we think we might have. Trust God, teach, trusting God teaches us how to live without compromise. The righteous are confident to let God judge so that the righteous do not stretch out their hands to do wrong. That we're going to let God judge. We're going to let God rule. We're going to let God have his will done. And I'm not going to try to do God's job. Trusting God teaches us how to live without compromise. And then uh, thirdly, trusting God teaches us that God will keep his promises. When we trust God and have learned to trust God, we realize that he keeps his promises. Uh, let's look at verses four and five. He says, do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be, on, uh, peace be upon Israel. So here we have this prayer, Lord, do good. We have this prayer, Lord, do good to those who are good. To those who are upright, you know, basically praying, Lord, do your do your job, not out of accusation, but out of pleading. That Lord, you are good to those who are good. To those who are upright, you are those who have turned aside, those who are leading in sin, God will judge. And this prayer is, Lord, please do that. This is, I think, the prayer of somebody who is about to head in, into an unknown situation. Maybe, again, as Israel's returning and sees their city and crumbles, uh, Jerusalem and crumble, uh, Lord, do good. Do good to us. You promised you would. And it's almost as pleading to the Lord to please fulfill your promises that you have promised to us. This psalm is reminding me of Psalm 1 and the, the two different paths you can take. You can be like, a, as you spend time in God's word, you can be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its time and its leaf does not perish and wither. 
Whatever they do shall prosper. But Psalm 1 says that the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. And the Lord knows the end of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The Lord knows our end. And he knows the end of the wicked. They will wither, they will die, they will perish. But our path, if we are following Christ, is eternal life. And this writer is saying, Lord, please remember your promise. Please remember your promise to do good, for there to be peace in Israel. God wants his people to have peace. God has promised to protect those who trust him so he can pray confidently to the Lord that he might see good be, be done. His confidence comes not in his own merits, but from God and for what God has promised to do. And because he's trusting in this, I think he can say with all sincerity, peace be upon Israel, that there will be peace here because we are now trusting God. And it's a reminder for that weary pilgrim to trust God, that God will watch out for them, that yes, the path may be difficult. And that's not because you lacked trust in God. It's because the path is difficult, because we live in a sin-cursed world. And so we face difficulties because of the result of sin. That's why, as I've said before, we have death, why we have decay. It's why our, our, our things that we might be tempted to trust in fail. Because the curse of sin is upon us all. But Jesus came and saved us from that. And he has given us new life. And that one day we will be with him in eternity, worshiping him, serving him, reflecting on how he kept his promise every day we faced every challenge we faced, every trial we faced, no matter how difficult, you will see God doing good. And I, and I know that there are some very painful things that we have gone through, um, that it is hard to say, I'm going to trust God in this because you, know, you might say, I'm hurting. My heart is broken. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to trust God. You will see him do good in spite of all the bad around you. And God's people are urged to be at peace. And this can happen not just this morning, but tomorrow and the day after and the day after. As we deal with all the real world struggles and difficulties and little minor annoyances, um, wherever they rank, we can deal with that because we are trusting God. And he, like a mountain range, is surrounding us, protecting us, and defending us, because we are his child. We belong to him. And he has promised to be with us always, even unto the end of the world. Christ will be with us.